Ho, ho, hello! Welcome to <laughs> the Leftovers Christmas special. That's our second start. I used um, replacing the lights as an excuse to start off with. Ho, ho, hello, because I didn't last time. Um, hi, Beth. Hi. How are you? Great. Good. Excited? For Christmas, yeah. For this episode? Yeah, kind I'm, of. I have to be honest, I'm not, because I'm so done with the narrative that we're talking about today. Mm. I just can't be bothered to talk about it anymore. Um, but we're going to do it, because it was it was brought up very recently within our congregation. Um, well, not the congregation itself, but a person in the congregation. Brought it up, mm -hmm. had experience with uh, with someone in their roads, talking, <coughs> excuse me, talking about it. So we're going to address it. Yeah. Um, well, what are we addressing? We haven't even said it. We haven't. No, but they'll see in the title. We're talking about Christmas um, and whether it's pagan or not. Yeah. Now, you might be thinking, why would Christmas be pagan? Well, you'll find out. You'll find out. Or you might be thinking, how dare you, as Christians, celebrate Christmas? Which really confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but here we are talking about Lots of it. people think that. It's true. Um, I wanted to start off with our introduction by talking about this in society. We had a friend, didn't we, who um, we gave a lift to uh, to another friend's oh, Christmas that's Sam. party. Okay, you say Sam's intro. I was like, oh, who, who is this Sam? Yeah, well, he was on the bus in Norwich and sat next to someone who was listening to pagan yule playlist on spotify mm. and the song that they were listening to was in the bleak midwinter mm. by christina rossetti yes. a very committed christian mm. very christian song very christian song what else shall i give him poor as i am yes <laughs> i give have him a sheep my or heart. a drum however it goes <laughs> um but it just kind of shows you doesn't it people in society want it to be pagan and yet they can't really escape the Christian yeah. aspect. There's, um, um, there's I just a thought few, that was a funny story. There's a few dates we'll talk about, but I was watching a video by Michael Knowles. We'll link it in the description, because mm. I think, one, it has a good comedic value. It's viewing um, woke TikToks around Christmas. So I'll link that in the description. But one of the arguments is that um, Christmas came after all the pagan celebrations. Yeah. And he points out that actually, no, the earliest documented the earliest documented Christmas is the same time as the earliest documented pagan celebration. Well, um, kind, kind of. Vaguely. Mm. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Which is a good teaser. Stick to the schedule. <laughs> um, so, this links to the first question. Yeah. What, what is the evidence that Christians didn't take over pagan festivals? Well, actually, Christmas was celebrated widely in the underground church from a very early date mm -hmm. and really the earliest documentation we have is from as early as 200 AD um, so you know that's only about 125 years after the apostles died <coughs> um, people claim well we can't celebrate things that um, holidays that aren't specifically stated in scripture so we can't celebrate Christmas, there's no date for it in scripture, we don't know what time to celebrate it, um, and it's not one of the festivals that God says to celebrate. Well, The only festivals that God says to celebrate are the Old Testament and Passover that moves into the New Testament, right? Uh, well, yeah, but also... Easter isn't there. Easter's not stated as a, as a celebration, a festival to celebrate. Um, and, and what about in John 7 and 8 when Jesus goes and celebrates Hanukkah? Mm. I mean, that's not stated in scripture that's an intertestamental 
festival that God doesn't ordain to be celebrated and yet Jesus celebrates it. Mm. So um, very early on, there is evidence that Christians were celebrating Christmas um, and even early is the date of December 25th because everyone's saying, well, you can't know when Jesus was born. But very early on, the tradition is that he was born on December 25th. Because the tradition was that he was conceived on... Um, the day he died. The day he died. Not yeah. literally the day he died, obviously. But yeah. 33 years yeah, yeah. before the day he died. 33? Yes. Ignore my maths. Yeah, there's, there's a tradition <laughs> that prophets would die uh, on the same day that they were conceived. And so um, the tradition was that he died on March 25th. Yeah. which would mean he was conceived on March 25th. Nine months later. December 25th. Um, and even you think of, people say, well, it can't have been because the shepherds were in their fields. Um, people say it was lambing season. Firstly, we don't know it was lambing season. Mm. There's no evidence. It just says they were watching over their flock in the fields at night. Um, secondly, lambing season in the Middle East does start in December. Yeah, it'd be different to the UK, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> the so, climate is so different. And so for um, Middle Eastern shepherds to be diligently watching over their sheep in a field in December is actually plausible. Yeah. Um, so potentially it could justifiably have been December 25th mm. that he was born on. But regardless of whether or not it was the actual date, what we do know is very early on, Christians were celebrating the birth of Jesus and Mm. they were celebrating it on the 25th of December. So this goes right back to about 200 AD, Mm. the celebration of the birth of Christ on December 25th. And one of the problems I take with people saying Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, whatever celebration we have in the Bible, not in the Bible, but in um, Christian tradition, just ignores hundreds of years of Mm. of the church history. Yeah. Which is, we stand on that. Don't we? We start church history brought us the canonization of scripture mm. that we rely so much on today. Church history brought us um, a number of confessions of faith, yeah, um, Nicene Creed, a number of creeds. And you have to take into account that um, okay, it's not, it doesn't have the same authority as scripture, yeah. but the Holy Spirit still works through people and through His church. Yeah. Um, and you have to, you can't throw out everything that the Holy Spirit's been where, doing. Where does it stop? Exactly. Do we then ignore what we did three years ago, or what God, what we believe God I did was in our say, yeah. three years ago? Do we throw that out the window because oh no, we don't like tradition? Where does it stop? Yeah. Anyway, back but, to the script. Well, Sorry. I was going to say um, that the earliest suggestion that Christians took pagan holidays was really the Enlightenment times. Yeah. So you've, you've got all of that history going right back to 200 AD where we've got the earliest documentation for celebrating Christmas, right up until, what, the 17th cent- um, 18th century, mm. um, when people suddenly start to decide um, that man's reason and rational thought um, is more important than the Word of God. We'll, um, we'll link all this research in as well um yeah so to the extent that we have it because we don't want you to just take our word for it take Beth's research because this is the problem she spent a lot of time (laughs) looking at it but but the problem is that people just hear someone saying something on the internet and take it as gospel um and we're saying please do your research yeah look into it because we could just save ourselves so much trouble of having to do this podcast if people actually just thought for themselves and did their own research yeah okay so the first pagan celebration we're looking at 
is Saturnalia. Mm. Um, have you heard of Saturnalia? Before? I haven't. I'm guessing it's uh, it's honouring the god Saturn. Yeah. Right. Next point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Saturnalia, the the first uh, kind of myth out there is that really Christmas is. Um, a repurposing of the celebration Saturnalia, which is the Roman festival or holiday um, honouring the god Saturn. Mm. Okay, first thing, it was celebrated on the 17th of December. Well, that's that then, isn't it? It was eventually extended to the 23rd, so they celebrated from the 17th to the 23rd. They knew that I'd be born on the 24th, they didn't want to take away from my birthday. But still, <laughs> if if the Christians were trying to repurpose Saturnalia, they completely missed it. it. So it it doesn't make sense in that Mm. context. Uh, It's very simple if you're trying to repurpose to put it on the same day. So talk to me about what what did they actually do? Mm. Well, there are lots of different things. So people say uh, because they used to do feasting, Mm. they used to give gifts, Mm. um, they, they say we've repurposed it because there are similarities. I... Let, let me continue with what else they used to do. Are you yeah. ready? So they used to go house to house, publicly singing, completely naked. We've repurposed it. We've <laughs> nicked it. We nick it because we do that fully clothed. Oh, how dare we? <laughs> this, is, this is the problem. And this is, quote, this, this is what uh, Michael Knoll says in his video. Anybody can go and say that something is pagan. They're using that to say, that's bad. What they're doing is bad for Christianity well, in particular. Exactly, because but you can't label public singing as, as inherently a, a pa- evil. a pagan thing. Yeah. You can't do that because it's pagan. Or gift giving. You can't give gifts no, no, it's pagan. because it's pagan. Can't do it. Just because there are some similarities doesn't mean it's pagan in origin. I mean, continuing on with what they used to do in Saturnalia, human sacrifice. Oh. Um, they used to have a tradition where the slaves and masters would reverse their roles for the for the days of um, Saturnalia. So the slaves would become the masters, the masters would become the slaves, and in theory the slaves could do whatever they wanted, and Did the masters really? had... Well, just think, if you've got five days where you can do whatever you want, and then the rest of the year you have to serve your master, if you make them do something terrible, they can get their own back on you. Yeah for the rest of the year, so it's yeah. not really worth it. Um, it was more like a mockery of the mm. slaves for, for that period. So, so they would mock the people who were lesser, yeah. that they owned. Um, drunkenness was rampant. I mean, similarities between that and Christmas today. <laughs> but you can't say, people don't claim, oh, well, we can't get drunk. Not in the church. <laughs> just, just in secular Christmas. Yeah. They claim all these other things are pagan, but they, they quite like to hold on to drunkenness. Yeah. Um, and then also rape and sexual immorality was rife during this time because um, morality standards were forgotten about and people could get away with whatever they wanted. Uh, at the root of this, it sounds like people who are saying you can't do Christmas because it's pagan are against us repurposing things in culture to use well, them for the glory of God. not even repurposing them, just... The fact that um, we give gifts, it's a time of generosity, it's not even repurposing. It's just something we feel is important because no, it's a time when God gave us a gift. The celebration is repurposing, right? So feasting, giving gifts, going house to house singing, um, 
ignoring all the rest because that's human sacrifice, slaves, drunkenness, yeah, rape, and sexual morality. We've repurposed those things. Well, to I'm, the glory I'm of saying God. we haven't if, repurposed no, them. If we had, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. From, from your, so there's a problem there. Well, from your standpoint, is it is it wrong to to repurpose something for the glory of God? Not to to a certain extent, obviously. We're not going to repurpose human sacrifice, right? <laughs> to the glory of God. <laughs> exactly. We're going to repurpose things that God created that are beautiful, good things, like like public singing, like art, like dancing. Mm. We can do those things to the glory of God and take what culture's made and reshape it into our thing to a certain extent. And I'm not saying sing Coldplay on Sunday morning. No, but I would I would say that these things in and of themselves don't belong to Saturnalia. Of I mean, feasting, feasting has been public done since singing, the beginning I was, of Exactly. Time. And so these things go back beyond Saturnalia, beyond the pagan festival, um, and can either be used for the glory of God mm. or for the worship of idols. Yeah. And so just because some people use it for the worship of idols doesn't mean that we shouldn't use it for the glory of God. It's not repurposing mm. these things. These things... Um, don't belong exclusively to pagan worship, um, which which is, I think, what I was understanding. Repurposing means that it belongs to them, and we take it and refashion it. Yeah, that's not it. what I. That's not. No. What I no. Um, and so, so what I'm saying is, these things don't belong to paganism, and so just because we do it for the glory of God doesn't mean we are using pagan worship for the glory of God. It's yeah. it's different to the yoga. Mm. conversation which was intrinsically created for the worship yeah. of idols it's more a mozart composed this piece of music someone put christian lyrics to it and we're using that in church now well it's more a discussion of music music can be used to glorify incredibly disgusting things in culture or music can be used to glorify god we're not saying that just re putting different words to, I don't know, a, I don't know, people. Go on, name someone popular. <laughs> to a Justin Bieber song. Oh, well done. <laughs> uh, I, th- this, I think we're getting off track here, but um, I'm trying to make a distinction between something that is inherently to worship idols and something that can be used to worship God or yeah, idols. I don't, I don't think it is off track. I think it's, it's we're, we're saying the same thing, just... Um, Differently. Okay. <laughs> uh, right, so let's move on to the next celebration. Yeah, so just to summarise that, Saturnalia... Have we not already? No, no, <laughs> because we went off track. Saturnalia was on different days to worship Saturn. Um, so if Christ- Christians were trying to repurpose that for Christmas, they missed it and didn't do a very good job. Okay, so moving on to the next celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, now... The, the Latin speakers among us. Please forgive me for this pronunciation. Natalis Sol Invictus. Yeah, I reckon that's pretty good. Thank you. Dave will correct us Dave as a will. Latin speaker. Probably, he probably <laughs> will. Um, that sounds like another Roman thing. Um, it yes. Latin that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what it means is Natalis birth, uh, Sol, Sun, Invictus, Unconquered. Birth of the Unconquered Sun. Um, there isn't really any evidence to show what it was okay so there's a lot i mean you hear this constantly and and in the michael knowles video yeah, they, they talked about, about the sol invictus um you hear this constantly that it was repurposed but no one actually knows what it was because 
there's no evidence of what they did, why they celebrated this. Educated guesses can be made that it's after the winter solstice, the, the days are getting longer, so the birth of the unconquered sun kind of makes sense in that sense. It seems to be cyclical in, in a way, but we don't <coughs> know. Is this the one that he was talking about had the what was documented at the same time? Was it this celebration? Yeah, was I it mean, three, two, from, five, something from like what that? from what I found, the earliest reference to this festival was from two hundred and seventy four A.D. Okay, and what I said earlier was that the earliest reference to Christmas was two hundred A.D. Yeah, so before. So, people claim that Christians took Natalis Sol Invictus, which was celebrated on the twenty fifth of December. Mm. and changed it to be the birth of our unconquered sun mm. rather than the sun as in S-U-N, the sun S-O-N. S-O-N, yeah. Um, but the thing is, this, was, this came later, the references that we have. Um, and when you look at the documents of Christianity, again, if they are going to repurpose a day, wouldn't they say, rather than doing these things, do this instead? Mm. But there's no um, reference. It just they talk about celebrating Christmas um, without talking about exchanging the pagan festivities for godly festivities. And I think if you're going to repurpose or try and change something from pagan to Christian, you're going to be trying to say stop doing that, yeah. start doing this. You see that with Paul in his letters, don't you? All the time, yeah. he's telling the churches to stop doing pagan stuff yeah. and start. And using start his doing an example this. as he used Christ an example. Exactly. And so this doesn't make sense. Um, the earliest reference we have comes after the earliest reference of Christ Christmas. So really what it seems is it's more likely that the pagan day was created as an alternative to Christmas. Mm. Rather like than... we're seeing all the time now. Yeah. There's there's a, um, an unreligious... Um, it was It's formerly a church building, but an unreligious building for ceremonies to be held. And the amount of weddings I've seen held there yeah, is, is that, yeah. it's sad. But, but taking something Christian exactly. and turning it into pagan, which yeah. is a complete reversal of the narrative that we hear, that it was yeah. actually a pagan day and the Christians stole it. Mm. The evidence seems to point to it being a Christian day that the pagans stole, yeah. um, which doesn't... I mean, pagans don't really like that who, idea. Who is, who is claiming this? And why do we listen to them? Well, exactly. The pagans are claiming tell me, it. Tell me what. <laughs> tell me, let's solve this now. Uh, the, the, it's, it happens in society all the time. We look at culture to tell us what to do. We see yeah. it with COVID. We see it with the abortion pro issue in, in this nation. We see it all the time. Culture tries to tell us Christians how to live our Christian lives without us looking and at And trying scripture. to frame, frame the narrative from yeah. their perspective. Uh, I think we, we constantly forget this, that there is no neutrality. Yeah. And so we can't listen to... There's always, a there's always a goal behind it. Yeah. I mean, if you... I'm, I'm, we're, we're using pagan the as the word kind of in place for secular. Pagan yeah. is kind of... Um, has the false gods the, yeah. behind it. But just secular in general. Why do yeah. we listen to secular voices? to tell us something and why do we take their word and believe it without doing the research behind it? Because so often everything that was claimed, when you go back to the original documents, it's not there. Mm. But people don't do that because no. they just take the word of someone that they hear online and believe it. 
which that's, is that's rife today as well yeah we, we see it all the time in christianity where someone watches a video online um they make a claim about scripture but they don't go back and actually read what the word of god says now i'm clearly aware that we are doing a video that you will watch online we will link all our research down in the description to the best of our ability we'll link other videos in that we've watched people like mike winger um, like I said, Michael Knowles, various other people mm. to, who, who are saying the same thing as we're saying. Yeah, but, but what we're trying to say is do your research. Well, that's how people research these yeah. things, isn't it? Looking at different things yeah. on the internet. But, but actually read around. Don't just stay in an echo chamber where you're just watching video after video mm. about paganism because you're not actually going to get to those documents, get to the evidence. And I'd like to say this is our last video on defending Christian festivals. Easter, like Easter, Easter will be coming up <laughs> in 2023. So there might be another one. Anyway. But yeah, so what, what you have to remember is that these people, their goal is to attack Christianity. And so why do we take their word as true when we know that they're trying to undermine the mm. faith um, and that they're opposed to Christ and his word. I mean, it makes sense that the greatest attack comes at Christmas. Yeah. People trying to stop others celebrating Christmas when it's the celebration of Christ and his word, the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. Um, you know, we don't see that attack happening on things like Hanukkah, which happens around the same time, on things like... Um, the celebration of the winter solstice which mm. pagans are trying to bring back make a comeback um really the only attack is happening on the the um honoring and glorifying christ um and his word mm. you have to wonder why that is don't you hmm. well yeah interesting i think um another thing that we need to remember is it's dangerous for christians to buy into these ideas yeah. because it's a slippery slope. It, well, it's a slippery slope, but also, does, don't you think it makes Satan happy that Christians become a mouthpiece for paganism mm. when they're voicing these ideas constantly? Instead of celebrating the birth of their Lord and Saviour. Instead of giving glory and worship to God, mm. what they're doing is they're pagan evangelists. Mm. They're spreading these pagan ideas. They're spreading um, this concept of worshipping Saturn or yeah. worshipping the sun god um, and I mean that that's doing Satan's job for him mm. firstly getting more people thinking about gods false gods other than the true god um, and secondly it takes worship away from um, from Christ yeah. which again is another tactic and goal of Satan is to take worship away from God um, and to, to try and get that worship for himself, which I think is what we really see when we hear these ideas that Christian Christmas is pagan, mm. is the focus coming off of God and being turned to Satan. So this is a question we ask five to nine-year-olds on a Thursday night, and they can answer it very simply. Hmm. So, Beth, why do we celebrate Christmas? <laughs> why do we, what, what, what has the world gotten to where we as a church to feel defend. the need <laughs> to defend celebrating Christmas I know. on the 25th of December? It's, well, oh. firstly... I don't, I don't like it. 
<laughs> Firstly, it's a time to focus on the wonder and the mystery and the grace mm. of the incarnation. I mean, without the incarnation, there's no Easter. Yep. Without Christmas, you don't have Easter. If God didn't come as a man, he couldn't die in our place mm. and rise again, the first fruit from the resurrection, and then ascend to heaven and to be reigning. We're going to do that Easter video. We're, right? we're going to have to do that Easter video. <laughs> um, but I mean, just think about these words, okay? From the well-known hymn, listen to these words. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing glory to the mm. newborn king. I mean, how wonderful is that? Mm. Just think of the rich theology that's there. God, veiled in flesh. Don't cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> God failed in flesh. God becoming man. God valuing our humanity and our physical form so highly that he becomes human mm. himself. Um, there's, I can't remember which church father it was, but one of the church fathers um, talks about God had to be the only one who could die in our place because mm. none of us could fulfill um, the law yeah. and be perfect and holy to be that spotless sacrifice. Mm. But man had to die because it was man's sin yeah. that separated him from God. And so what we see in the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas is God coming to, to bear the sins of humanity, mm. but God becoming man because it's man that can only pay the pay the price mm. and it's just i mean just think of the wonder and the awe and the mystery that is so wrapped up that when we get into these conversations about paganism and sun gods and all this other stuff we forget yeah don't we just what it is that we're celebrating and like mm. i said satan tries to take the focus away so that we forget about these things we mm. forget about just the grace that it is that God yeah. came in human flesh. Mm. So firstly, I think that's, for me, one of the main reasons why we celebrate Christmas. But also, it reminds us that we're saved by grace through faith alone. I mean, mm. in the winter time, it's dark, it's cold, the trees are bare, everything seems dead. And it reminds us that we were dead in our sins. Mm. Without God, we are dar in darkness, we're in death, and yet it's right into that physical reminder that we have around us in the world at this time that the hope of the incarnation comes in. And Michael Knowles uses the example of the Christmas tree, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is often taken up as, well, that's pagan, taking trees into a house. Yeah. But he was, in, he was in his garden looking at the dead plants around his, his house then looked into this window where this tree was saved and it's alive and it's thriving in the warm. And it's, cause it's evergreen as well. And yeah. so it never dies. Um, but, but yeah, it's just this, this physical reminder. You once say it never dies, ours is pretty dead. Uh, well, <laughs> but, but the whole point is that the leaves don't drop. It's, all, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. eternally green. Um, but, but this physical reminder that we are dead in our sins and we can't do anything to get ourselves out of that yeah. situation. Um, and yet, despite that, God in his grace 
sends us the greatest gift, his only begotten son, into that place so that we may not die, mm. but have eternal life. And I think at Christmas, just that reminder but that we can do nothing. We are dead in our sins. And yet God sent his son mm. that we may have eternal life if we'll only believe in him. That's a fantastic reminder once a year. Don't yeah. you think? And I think this is, a, this is just a great place to wrap it up. Because you've, no, I've got two, you've more got points. two more points after that. <laughs> Incredible place to finish. Yes. My word, Elizabeth. I, well, well, okay, I'll, I'll use one more point. Okay, this looks like a one repetition of what you said already. One more point. <laughs> okay, in, in this season of Advent and up to the coming of Christmas Day, when we remember that first Advent, mm. waiting for God to fulfil his promise and then God sending his son, don't you think it's a fantastic once a year reminder that we're in that second Advent mm. yeah. and we're awaiting the second coming of the Son of God mm. and just once a year to be reminded that we're waiting reminded that we're looking forward to the return of Christ because we can get so caught up in the day-to-day -day running mm. of what's going on focusing on the here and now that we forget that Christ is returning yeah. and what does that mean for us and we can say things like oh come Lord Jesus quickly mm. but when we stop and consider Advent the season of waiting what it was that Christ came that first time, we can think, okay, we're in that second advent. It's an annual time to stop and look for Christ's return, mm. to be ready, to prepare ourselves for that time. Because we don't want, as it says constantly in the New Testament, to be caught unaware, to be asleep, mm. to not be prepared. We don't want to be like the, the foolish virgins who don't have oils ready for their lamps. We want to be on the lookout, prepared, looking around at the world around us, looking for the signs of his coming. And I think Advent is a fantastic way to remember that first time and to consider where we are now in God's history. And who knows, maybe he'll come back on Christmas. I think that's maybe another conversation. <laughs> Which we won't <laughs> He came have. on Christmas the first time. Yeah, it's, um, not, need it's not needed right now. But, um, but all of on. these things, I think it just... We, we need to focus on Christ. And Christmas is a fantastic time mm. to think about what he did, why he came, the, the, um, the glory that he gave up. And I want to finish with this, um, this passage from Philippians 2. Just before you read that, I want to say we're not going to guess when he's coming back. No. Because that's not productive <laughs> that's, or good yeah. to do. Go ahead. Um, but just when Satan is trying to attack Christmas draw our focus and our worship away from God and back onto himself. I just want to finish with these words. At Christmas, this is what we remember, that Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Merry Christmas. We'll see you in the new year.